questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. One of the early objectives of the Cultural Revolution in China was to wipe out the four olds, old things, old ideas, old customs and old habits. Tragically, it seems as if the United States is in the midst of its own cultural revolution. Like the Chinese Cultural Revolution, the current revolution in the United States is being waged by the youth, at the behest of radical leftists, of course, in the United States and even Canada. During the woke revolution, we're following the same path. All things such as fossil fuels, the founding fathers, and the electoral college must go. Old ideas such as equality of opportunity and meritocracy are now moot. All customs such as standing for the national anthem and vigorously defending one's right for freedom of speech are long gone. And old habits such as the Protestant work ethic and rugged individualism have been seriously undermined. In place of these old aspects of our culture, the woke revolution desires to turn our society on its head. The woke revolution, like the cultural revolution, is predicated on Marxist ideology. Individualism is being replaced with communalism. Equity, better known as, as equality of outcome, now trumps equality of opportunity. When everyone is special, no one is special. The parallels between China's cultural revolution and the United States' woke revolution are becoming closer by the day. Today, we bring you someone who was the product of the same Marxist ideology, someone with a similar path to mind, but our beginnings were in reverse. However, our paths have now converged, and we seem to be going in the same direction. Stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Tonight's special guest is Alexis Cossette Trudel. Alexis was born in Cuba from Canadian parents, in exile there after the 1970 political turmoil in Quebec. After returning to Canada, Alexis completed a master's degree in political science, focusing on foreign policy, strategic studies, and information warfare. He went to complete, on to complete a PhD in religious studies with a focus in philosophy of language and semiology. Alexis has been involved in Canadian politics and has published over a dozen articles in Le Devoir, a Quebec newspaper. In 2018, he founded Radio Quebec, a web-based alternative media where he discussed, against the mainstream media narrative, the intricacies of Donald Trump's policies. And in 2020, the COVID crisis, the channel grew to over a quarter million subscribers, becoming the number one U.S. policy analysis alternative media in the French world. 
putting forth several videos with over a million views before being swept by the wave of late 2020, early 2021 big tech censorship. Radio Quebec has become a household name in Quebec after months of relentless attacks by the mainstream media, both in Canada and in France. He has since migrated to other platforms like Rumble, Parler, and Telegram, and continues his weekly analysis of world events. His website is radioquebec.tv. Bonjour, Alexis. Bienvenue à Veritas. Merci beaucoup d'avoir rejoint nous aujourd'hui. Hello, Alexis. Welcome to Veritas, and thank you very much for joining us today. Je parle un petit feu de français only. Oui, merci beaucoup, Mel. Thank you very much, Mel, for receiving me. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's my pleasure, Alexis, and our friend Carl Prudhomme put us together. And mm -hmm. first of all, I want to ask you your story, your story or how you came to be. Your parents left Canada to Cuba, which is the opposite of what happened to my family. My family left the communist revolution in the 1930s from Spain. They went to Cuba and then they had to escape again because of communism. But you had it in reverse. I want to I want to know that first. Well, yeah, there was some political turmoil in Quebec. Like it's a, in what happened in the 60s and 70s in Quebec has to be uh, reframed within the uh, the global uh, decolonization movement, right? Everywhere, uh, like in Africa, in Asia, a lot of the countries there were like getting free from colonial rule. And the Francophone here also wanted to be free from British rule, British colonial rule. That's how they saw it. So there was like, a, how to say, like a, an insurrectional movement in Quebec. Uh, and there were some hostages taken in the in the year of 1970 in October 1970 the, it was a big crisis the Trudeau government at that time Trudeau the father and the father of the current prime minister sent the army and declared martial law in Quebec and so my parents uh, my parents at that time went into exile since they were like uh, leaning ideologically towards marxism they they, <laughs> they chose cuba and uh, so we went there they went there in exile i was born there uh, uh, and then we, after four years there, we went to France, uh, lived there six years or yeah, about maybe less than six years, and finally returned to Canada where uh, my parents faced trial. And uh, and then after life went out as as normal. But yeah, that's the that's the funny part. Contrary to you, my uh, I'm at the I'm at odds with my parents' ideology. I, I never was a communist or a Marxist, so. So um, it, it, it made for a funny uh, household discussions. I remember as a child, when I started earning some money at the age of 16, 17, and I wanted to buy my first car, I saw a Yugo. And my dad heard about it and he said, you buy that car over my dead body. So all my life I heard about, you know, do not talk to me about the Soviets, communists at all. Do not mm -hmm. ever ask government for help. You do what you can, can with your own resources. Someone like you who grew up under Marxist ideology, how were you, what was that transition or eureka moment that made you see the light? Uh, I don't know if there was like a moment like that. Actually, there was not so much, uh, you know, uh, ideological pressure at home. I mostly lived with my father. And the main thing that transpired from my education with him was like he was like very anti-American. Okay, It was like anti-Americanism. 
But then as I started to study uh, foreign policy at university, I just started developing my own ideas and it, uh, you know, we had some fights and, uh, but we could, uh, we would always manage to, you know, keep the, the relationship going. We never went at, uh, at odds and, but finally what broke the, the whole thing <laughs> is this COVID crisis. Then, you know, it, it, we, we took our separate ways and like many people, uh, you know, in, in the Western world, uh, the family shattered, you know, uh, you, there was like a division within the family between people who think like this COVID was uh, essentially manufactured like or uh, way overblown or used by the government and those who were following the media narrative. Uh, like my parents and, you know, saying that like it was very dangerous. People, a lot of people were dying, et cetera. And I, I was being irresponsible to uh, to talk about the, the things that I was talking about. So, so that, essentially, that's where, that, that's, that's where we parted ways. And it's been like a year now. We don't have much discussions. Essentially, because you're just some of the topics you discuss go against the narrative, the official narrative, which is exactly yeah. what it, you and I do. Now let's. I just want to be able to to extrapolate a lot of our our backgrounds and and where you stand today because you are very very known in Canada in France. How does someone from Canada pays it? How do you pay attention to so much of what's happening in the United States? Not a lot of people do that, and you bring a lot of what's happening here to Canada. Yes. Uh, well, actually, a, a part of my studies, like like at the end of my BA and my MA, I was focusing on. Um, U.S. policy, U.S. foreign policy. So I had like a background at university, like a academic background. I was focusing uh, like in the early 2000s, like in information warfare, strategic information warfare, and those sorts of uh, of topics. And uh, like in 2006, th then it, you know, I started doing politics in Quebec, and it was um, I kind of changed topic. But then it came back with the arrival of Donald Trump. So I kind of left the U.S. scene for like about a decade. I was mostly interested in what was happening in Europe. But then when Trump came back in 2015, I listened to some of his speeches and his declaration. And right away, like the, you know, <laughs> the alarm bell rang and it says, something's happening here. And so it kind of reconnected with all my academic past and I could like articulate what was happening within the framework of what I had learned uh, in the university. So it, it kind of and there was also there was also like nobody in in Quebec or in Canada that could accurately describe what was happening in the U.S. It was there was uh, like an open slot, you know, within the information market to talk about these things. Uh, there was no specialist, you know, you got, you, you had those media specialists who would, you know, just repeat the, the CNN lines, but there was no uh, in-depth, uh, acute understanding of uh, Trump's uh, strategies, like uh, linguistic strategies, uh, uh, policies and all like that was, there was no intelligence in the media. Uh, to talk about those things. So right away, I, so that was like an empty space for me. I saw like a, a niche. And I jumped into that and right away it became very successful because uh, I was filling, uh, you know, I was filling a spot, a hole that nobody was occupying, uh, describing intelligently what was happening in the U.S. And so it started in Quebec, but then it, it grew very fast and it, it, it jumped to France. And uh, yeah, it, it became uh, <laughs> it became known also in France, too, because there was there was no such analysis available anywhere within the uh, French information um, landscape. When I think of Canada, I think right now of a country that's going 
more left than even Mexico. I'm currently in Mexico, by the way, which is Uh a socialist democracy. But what I used to think of Canada, I used to think of the open wilderness and, you know, really a, a truly democratic country. But it's going left. What is happening in Canada? I want you to give us the perspective that we all need here. Well, Trudeau happened to Canada. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, so since, uh, so he, he got elected in 2015, and since then it's been like um, the woke revolution in Canada, uh, destroying uh, the national identity of Canada, opening borders, like in the U.S., you know, like we're, hap- we're seeing what was happening in Europe and in the U.S., you know, like in, in 2015, you had uh, the migrant crisis in Europe, like they, they were called Syrian refugees, but they, they came from all over the world. Merkel um, called them, you know, they said like they were uh, the whole world was welcome. Same thing in the U.S. We were seeing what was happening at the southern border, but then we thought we were uh, isolated, you know, far north in Canada. But uh, when Trudeau arrived, uh, quickly after that, he did the same thing. He said, the whole world is welcome here. And he opened the borders and they all came actually, you know, on, on those thousands of miles of borders between the Canada and the US, they came just south of Montreal. There was one spot where they came south of Montreal, they came into Quebec. So it, we had the same, um, it, it seemed like it was like, uh, he was following the same globalist script of destroying uh, social cohesion by opening borders, by, uh, you know, defunding the military and, you know, like everything that you see, uh, that you saw Obama do in the U.S. or that you saw Merkel do in Germany and all like that, you would you would see Trudeau do the same thing, applying those same uh, globalist principles here. Uh, yeah, so, so it's been it's been going on like that for uh, now mm, five years. Well, and I- the, the Canada, Canada is barely recognizable now. It is not. It is not. It is definitely not recognizable. When you think of Trudeau, for some reason, people like us who are used to Fidel and, and, and seeing all the, 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 the pictures and the movies, I see Trudeau and there's so much similarity. I have to ask you, and this is not a joke, could Trudeau be potentially <laughs> Justin Castro? Well, if you read, uh, if you if you type that on Google, they're gonna say it's been debunked, right? <laughs> so, but but there are some uh, physiological resemblance and ideological resemblance. And uh, one thing that uh, when these rumors were circulating, one thing that uh, picked up uh, my attention is that Trudeau went to see Fidel just ten days before he died. You know, why would you do that? It's he he paid like an official state visit to Cuba just ten days before Fidel died. So um, you know, at that time, I said, my God, you know, that's the sort of thing you do when you want to go uh, pay your uh, last respect to your father or something like that. But ob- obviously, we'll never have a proof of that. It's, it's always going to remain rumors, but yeah, they, they do look alike. Maybe someone can send me a, a, a strand of hair and I'll take it, I'll take it from there. But <laughs> yes. when you see Margaret Trudeau, there's, a, there's many pictures and, and footage of Margaret Trudeau and Pierre Trudeau uh, when, when Justin Trudeau was a baby in Cuba. And you could see the expression of Margaret Trudeau looking at Fidel, almost saying, <laughs> I'm here to introduce you to your child. Yeah, actually, uh, Mel, those pictures are from 
Justin's brother in 1971. That's oh. Justin's brother. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what yeah that that photo that uh, that was circulating is is the brother. But yeah, we don't know. You know, we well, I don't I don't want to defame too much, but Margaret Trudeau had a reputation of you know. Uh, yes, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, say not, it. Not being faithful, you know, and just like roaming, like, uh, yeah. So, um, she, she was like a, a regular at Studio 54, just to, you know. She, <laughs> before she, you said it, before you said it, I'm looking at pictures of Margaret Trudeau with Andy Warhol and the rest yeah. of them at, at Studio 54. There you have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so we'll never know for sure. They must, uh, you know, the, the two would have to have met in uh, 1969 or 1970 uh, prior to Justin's birth, you know, and there's no record of that. So we won't be able to to ascertain it for sure. But they do, if you put like the pictures one side by side, they do look alike. And the, you know, it, it you know, it's, it's not totally impossible, I would say. What about the ideologies? How similar do you like, think they're, the they're ideologies similar. are? Yeah. Actually, Trudeau is the you know paid the highest homage to to Fidel at, at his death. It was like uh, the reverend leader, like uh, you know loved by his people. I, I don't remember what all the the, um, the qualificative that he used to describe Fidel, but that created a backlash in the U.S. And he was criticized for his uh, eulogy to Fidel uh, Castro. It was so so elogious when Fidel died, you know. So, um, and, but Trudeau has been like that, not only with Fidel, not only with these kind of uh, extreme socialist ideology. He said the same thing with China. He said uh, he admired China's basic uh, dictatorship. That's, that's, not, that's a quote. That's a direct quote. I have a level of admiration for China's basic di dictatorship because they, they can turn their economy on a dime. He said that. So he has a, an admiration for totalitarian regimes, you know, and socialist totalitarian regimes. And, and he, he does seem to be acting a little bit like that in Canada, too. I've been told mm -hmm. that Fidel Castro Jr., before he committed suicide, he was saying and left a note saying, I was so tired of hearing my dad say, Fidel, Fidel why can't you be more just like Justin? Imagine that. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Well, that's that, that's another that's another interesting uh, quote. Yeah. Now, where is Canada going now? Because with Justin Trudeau there, and uh, some people criticize the president of Mexico, and mm. he has done <laughs> things that are more similar to Trump. For example, he does not wear a mask. He yeah. tells people we will never mandate uh, uh, vaccines here. It's a total opposite of what what I thought was going to happen when he got elected. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I don't think actually Trudeau is really running Canada. Trudeau is just like a poster boy. I think there are people behind Trudeau. Trudeau, Trudeau is like, you know, he's not very smart as a person. He's not, uh, uh, he's not hardworking. He's not very smart. And I don't think he is the one uh, conceptualizing all the policies and all. I think he's just being told what to do by the Bill Gates, the George Soros, and the people behind the the, the throne, you know, I think there's a strong um, what we could call the deep state in Canada. We do have that here too, and uh, it's just like a it's just like a puppet. But yeah, Canada has been um, uh, placed itself as not America's closest ally as it used to be, but one of. Uh, as America's closest threats, I would say, now under Trudeau. If you remember, there were headlines like a few months ago where it, it came out, the documents came out that Chinese Trudeau invited the, the, the Chinese army to train in Canada. Could you imagine that? You know, like we got like a four-star 
PLA, like People's Liberation Army General, just a few kilometers from the American border, training with Canadian troops. Uh, there's a level of um, uh, antagonistic, um, how to say, how, how would I say that? Yeah, there, there, there's um, Trudeau has, has completely reversed Canada's role. You know, we used to be like within an, an integrated defense with the U.S. U.S. close ally, and now it's the opposite, right? We take, we take, we do exactly what the the, the opposite of what the U.S. is doing. We are always, you know, like for example, for now we're trying to keep Trudeau's trying to keep the border closed as much as possible. Whereas even uh, Jen Psaki, you know, the White House spokesperson said we're going to have to do something about the closed border now. You know, Canada is, uh, we want the border to be open, but Canada is saying no, it's still keeping the border closed. So Canada is acting like on its own now. It's like, uh, and not in a way that is um, uh, constructive for a relation with the U.S. Correct that, me that, if I'm, to say the least, to say the least. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Canada has about, what, 10% of the population of the United States. Why are they keeping the borders closed? If... Now, you probably, everybody watches Fauci. He was the unelected official telling us how to live. He has caused thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths and billions of dollars in losses and suicides and you name it. Why is Canada following Fauci? Um, that's not clear. Uh, you know, it's like Canada has become like a North Korea now. You know, it's like a camp. We got like COVID. We got COVID prisons here. We got... Um, yeah, I think it's trying to, like, like by keeping the population under control within in constant fear, it allows them to uh, pass uh, some of the political measure they want, force vaccine, force vaccination, keep people in the um, framework, in the mental framework that we're still under a very dangerous pandemic. If we if we go too fast fear. towards like reopening everything and all like that, people are gonna. Uh, escape the plantation, if you allow me, and that, that's not that's not what they want. I think he wants to keep the control. Uh, he doesn't want uh, to go towards normalization too fast. With your provinces, they just compared your provinces with our states here. We have states like Texas, Florida, South Dakota, and so on, and they're totally open. Florida has executive orders saying no one can be uh, forcedly vaccinated, uh, with no more masks. Do you have difference, differences in your provinces? I take it that Quebec is totally different. I mean, an, another part that I want you to discuss is the whole story about wanting to become its own country. This has been happening for decades, and you're right in the epicenter of what's happening. But tell mm -hmm. us the contrast between our state and your provinces right now. Uh, the, the contrast is there couldn't be more contrast. Actually, it's the, the, you 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 can see it clearly. You got some states like Florida and Texas where you got liberty. It's and you got uh, the socialist model. Quebec is within Canada. You have to understand that within Canada, Quebec is one of the most socialist place. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly why it's like that. Uh, maybe it's because of the language thing. Uh, maybe it's because of the different culture. People here don't have access to what's happening outside. You know, many, many people here don't, don't speak English actually, you know, and they just rely on whatever the media tells them uh, for understanding the outside world. So it's easy there. The people here are easy to control. Okay. That, that's why we were successful actually, because we were breaking that, that, uh, 
uh, that monopoly on news, Radio Quebec. We were doing that. That's that's was the reason of our early success. But uh, now, what's interesting? It's like now with the hockey thing, you know, with the the playoffs, we're playing against the uh, Golden Knights of Las Vegas. Now we're seeing. Have you seen uh, one of the games? Like you see, like the arena in Las Vegas, it's packed with twenty thousand people. No mask, no social distancing, and uh, <laughs> they're playing. I think they're playing tonight in Montreal, and we're only allowed three thousand people in the in the arena with mask and all like that. It's going to be ridiculous. So there couldn't be a clearer contrast between the socialist model which leads to bankruptcy and state control and the liberty model that uh, that the, the US is putting forward as long as, as we at have least, those... at, at least it's going to be clear to people now the, the media won't be able to spin the images you understand and hockey is very strong in Quebec so that has a potential to change the to change the some of the mentalities here People are going to see that there's no consequence to having 20,000 people in a stadium. I've been doing that actually during my, uh, for about three months now, I've been showing the images of stadiums full of fans in the U.S. for the UFC, for uh, Texas Rangers games. And, you know, uh, that that is, these are images are very strong because here people don't have access, like I said, to outside media and they're, they're kept in fear. So when you show these images of other human beings living normally, Without mask, without social distancing, that 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 has a an emancipatory power. I like that exactly. It's emancipation from all this, and I think the goal is the same: is control. Just keep the fear going because fear keeps people at home, keeps people down. That causes disease. And you and I discussed the COVID pandemic all last year. I mean, mm -hmm. we suffer the consequences from doing so. But a lot of the stuff that you said and I said last year that to a lot of people were oh, gosh, these guys are conspiracy theories. You're going yeah. against the narrative. You're going to kill grandma, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now they're looking at us saying, oh, wow, you were the same ones. And guess what? In three months or maybe even a year, all yeah. these people that continue. And again, if you want to become, if you want to be injected, folks, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. I just don't want you to tell me what to do with my body, your body, your choice, my body, my choice. But in a few months, with this 99 point, Eight seven percent survival rate. All the people who will continue to get vaccinated and now myocarditis, pericarditis in the young people, they're going to look at us as the sane one, not the crazy ones. Alexis, yeah. Well, well, I'm not too optimistic about that. I, like in Quebec, there's so much media control. Maybe in the U.S. it's going to be like that because you do have like a variety of news media in the U.S. But here we don't have that. It's like socialist media. So any, for example, any any debt, any vaccine debt is going to be classified potentially as a COVID debt. We got we got some people who suicided and got classified as COVID debt. So uh, and each time you got like a uh, vaccine adverse effect, it's and you go to your doctor. There's so many stories like that. The people go to their doctors with a, an adverse effect after the vaccine. The doctors immediately say like, uh, no, it's not related to the vaccine. And, uh, and 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 so there's a control of the narrative here that is not existent uh, in the U.S., so it this uh, what you're saying might be possible in the US but in, in Quebec it's the fight for the truth is harder than uh, than uh, down there. Let me ask you this because now with the Biden usurper in place we have mm -hmm. the health and human services person here. You have a very similar looking one there where you are. What is and again folks I'm not against any LGBTQ but it makes you wonder why, if you look at it in many countries, they have the same archetype. Why do you think that is? Uh, do you talk? Are you talking about Teresa Tam? Yes. 
Yeah, but that's again. These are rumors. Uh, yeah, that she's a, she's a trans too. Yeah, she has a big Adam's apple in some of the pictures, and uh, um, I don't know. I, I think it's um, uh, well, it's it's the quota thing, right? Like uh, in woke culture, you need a certain people don't go by their qualification; they go by their identity. So you need a quota of each identity instead of getting like a certain number of smart people, you get a certain number of uh, each identity. So you need a certain number of brown, blacks, immigrant, uh, women, and all like that, you know, you know, and so so on and so on. And uh, that's that remind me of the difference between Trudeau's cabinet and Trump's cabinet. And you would see Trudeau's cabinet would be uh, it would fill each of the quotas, right, like of um, minorities and women and these kind of things. But he would choose within his caucus, he would choose people that are not necessarily competent. And you would see like they would get, you know, during negotiations with the U.S., they would be like eaten. They would be how to say um just crushed the negotiation with Trump's administration. Trump's administration, Trump would just choose the the smartest person or the most qualified person. He wouldn't go by quotas. And then you you, you would see the, the difference in, in policy and yeah, qualification in policy. But I think it's it's that it's it's a quota thing. They want everybody to be represented, uh, whether or not they're qualified. Now look at this. Yeah, you mentioned Theresa Tam. I'm mentioning uh, Dr. Rachel Levine here in the United States, who advocates uh-huh. to give children uh, hormone therapy from a young age, uh, puberty blockers. I mean, what are we trying to do with the culture? And uh, right now, there's there's mothers everywhere in the United States going to school boards protesting, saying that their second, third grader is being indoctrinated and mm-hmm. how to have anal sex and masturbation and all those things that should be taught at all if an, in school, maybe in high school. Yeah, that's the globalist left agenda, right? They're, they're, they're trying to destroy innocence. First of all, they're trying to destroy innocence. But the, the second thing with uh, teaching masturbation and all, that was taught in the uh, utopic novel 1984, Brave New World, especially, where uh, Aldous Huxley would explain why they would teach masturbation to young, uh, at a very young age, is because with masturbation, you you if you learn, if you have... Um, uh, not trained to masturbate, but if, if you're trained to submit to your desire, you become easily manipulated. You see, so you become like a good consumer. I mean, you're going to, you're going to be more responsive to advertisement. Each time you have an impulse, like, a you know, a feeling, a desire, you respond immediately to it. Do you understand the difference? It's it's like it's a it's psychological reconstruction of the child. They're they're trying to destroy the the child's capacity to for restraint with masturbation. That's that's the that's the reason for masturbation. If you if you're if you have a sexual urge and you're capable of keeping it, like holding it and all, you learn about restraint and controlling your impulses. Whereas if you give in each time you have a feeling and you become somebody very Im- impulsive, therefore with no restraint, uh, easily manipulable and, and so on and so on. So, and, and you become so like, like, like they said in brave new world, a good consumer responsive to advertisement and all. So that's, that's one of the reason, but it's, that, that's also a part of the greater ideological framework that I call trans ideology. Uh, trans ideology is the going beyond 
any limitation. For example, they would say that the distinction between male and female is uh, is oppressive, right? Uh, so they try to destroy the distinction between male and female. They try to destroy uh, borders, any kind of borders, psychological borders, like uh, geographical borders, like um, borders between countries, uh, blending between like... Uh, they try to blend citizen with non-citizen. They try to blend the child-adult um, limitation also with pedophilia. They try to destroy the boys and girls thing and even like uh, transhumanism with transhumanism. You know, you, you go beyond your human limitation. You go beyond the uh, man-machine limit and you got transpecism. And uh, so that that's, that's a... a um, you could say like uh, I don't know if I should use the word satanic, but it's it's uh, uh, it's it goes it it's headed towards chaos, um, towards removing any uh, grammar grammar to the world. I don't know if you follow me on grammar, like uh, any order or grammar to the world, any limitation, any uh, uh, the possibility of meaning also, because meaning meaning comes from the difference between two things. If you go uh, the route of linguistics, uh, um, a concept has its meaning in dependence upon other things uh, that it is not. So, uh, yeah, by removing all these uh, limits, they, they collapse the meaning of the world. They make the meaning of the world collapse. Uh, and that's because they're, uh, how to say, they're... Uh, uh, their aim is for a reset of humanity. Okay, so uh, it's not just the great reset that Trudeau spoke about, right? For uh, like they say, it's just like an economic thing. It's not just an economic thing. They're trying to rebuild uh, human nature. You know, in order to have a new world, you need a new economic system, a new political system, and you need a new human, a new type of human person. And to get that new type of human person, you have to destroy old identities, you know, like uh, national identities, gender identities, uh, and so on. And so religious identities, and that's where they use trans ideology to destroy, to go beyond the limitation and destroy what makes you a, a for example, uh, you know, like um, a Mexican man of such age or, you know, uh, practicing such religion. They're trying to destroy that. And therefore, by destroying that, they make us uh, interchangeable, finally, because we don't have a specific identity. But isn't it interesting what you just said, that instead of allowing people to be sovereign and they can have somebody with their own culture, say a Mexican person who drives a car, you know, now they say, for example, a white police officer killed a black man. Why uh -huh. can't they just say... A police officer killed a man. Why do yeah, we have to put all these labels? It's obviously, obviously what they're trying to do. They're, they're obviously trying to divide. That's that's their they're pouring gasoline on uh, on the people and try to ignite uh, tensions. That's that's uh, that's clear. It's been going uh, like that for for a long time. Yeah, uh, because uh, people divided can be easily conquered, right? Mm -hmm. what, what about in Canada? You have a, I believe it's a minister, I forgot his name, who has, has been arrested a few times out of his ministry. And then he finally was taken uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago, I believe. You know the story, right? 
I know I followed a little bit of the story. It's in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's been uh, he's been arrested for because he kept on doing his religious service, Correct. like the Constitution usually is supposed to allow him to do. So, uh, but yeah, they 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 used they used these COVID restrictions as a way of going around the constitution and dissolving actually anything that binds us together. Religion binds binds us together, you know, like uh, celebrations, uh, birthdays, and and humans need to uh, have rituals together whatever the form of the ritual is, right? Like uh, whether it's a barbecue or it's a marriage or a funeral or a church service and all. And what the globalists have done uh, all over the world now is to, uh, using the pretext of the virus, to prevent from prevent people from having social interactions. They've dissolved the social uh, cement and made us like... Um, they atomized the population. They made us feel very lonely and individual in our own house and were therefore more easily controlled. And that's what, what's his name again? Uh, Noam Chomsky said, like the, the foundation of social control is uh, to atomize people, to individualize people, to make them feel lonely. If you can, if you're successful at making people feel lonely and not um, in contact with the rest, not uh, vibrating with the rest, being out of sync and all like that, and then you can easily control them. And that's what the media also have, have been trying to do. You know, like many of the, many, for example, they're, they're, they're pushing forward a narrative that is very, uh, that is very extreme sometimes, that is not shared by many people. And if you go against, for example, open borders, which most of the people in all countries are against open borders, but the media make you feel like you're the uh, you're 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 not a good person if you're against uh, open border and you feel lonely and you dare not speak out. But in fact, you're part of the majority. You're part of the silent majority. So uh, it's the, so they do that. You know, they they control the the narrative. They make you feel even though you're the majority, they make you feel like you're isolated. And now they went like one step above that with the COVID. They they uh, prevented us from having social uh, relationship, which is the, you know, like Aristotle, Aristotle said the, the human is a political animal, meaning like we need uh, socialization, interaction and all these things. If you don't have that, we're not human. And they've, so with this virus thing, this virus care, they have struck at the heart of literally at the heart of what it is to be a human being in order to gain control over our minds and bodies. Well, we have the term apartment where people live apart from one another. And I remember reading books in the 90s where they were predicting that in the future, people would be working from home in cocoons. So they Mm -hmm. want to keep people separated because that way, as you said, if we go to weddings, if we go to religious events and and, and meetings and, and parties, that's when people get together and they plan the next overthrow of a tyrannical government. Yes. Yeah, there's also the, the, the feeling of togetherness. They're, they're trying also to get rid of the feeling of togetherness. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they've banned family dinners. They've banned Christmas here in, in Canada and in Quebec. They've literally banned Christmas. And the Minister of Health said, like, you have to choose which of your children you're going to see. They literally told us that during a press conference. They say, if you're a parent and you're going to see your children, you have to see them one at the time and choose which them you're going to see at Christmas. Could you imagine that? That's because that's because it's 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 known here that uh, you know there are in, in Quebec there are many large families you know like eight nine ten twelve people uh, siblings and all 
and uh, the discussions uh, around Christmas, Easter, and you know those holidays are, are very heated, and people people talk, and they've been uh, yeah they've been trying to to prevent that from happening, prevent people from speaking to each other, just stay focused to what the media is telling you, what the lies they're feeding you, right? You only have access to your to your uh, to your television. And you cannot have a variety of source of uh, information with your your friends and relatives. Yeah, that, that, that was part of the that was part of the uh, the strategy. Yeah. When you look Plus at the censorship of social media. Oh yes, absolutely. When you look at the map, the electoral map in the United States, you can mm. see where it, what it where it is, where the feeling, the red feeling is. And I don't mean to get political here, but it's obvious what it is and what they want to remove or, or eradicate and, and, and abolish the Electoral College. Do you have something similar in Canada or are the 37 point some millions vote for the same person and there's no Electoral College system there? No, no, there's no Electoral College in Canada. It's not It's not like that. It's the, the British system, meaning you're voting. Um, it, it resembles very much to your your state's electoral system, right? You vote for uh, elected members of parliament and uh, whoever has the majority of elected members gets to govern, essentially. So uh, it is like that. And you get the same kind of cleavage between, uh, you know, like uh, urban and rural areas. Urban areas are much more liberal and uh, rural areas are more conservative. It's the same, it's the same cleavage everywhere. So yeah. the, the majority of the people live, correct me if I'm wrong, live very close to the border of the United mm -hmm. States. When you look at how vast Canada is, Who it's just like real north. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so what do we have there? And what is the, you know, for example, here in the United States with this mask mandate that hopefully is dissipating psychologically what this is doing to children you know newborns that they need to learn to be social beings from watching and copying the adults and you know when they can't see our faces it's hard for babies to learn you know focusing yeah. on facial expressions and facial movement is highly important when developing yeah. mirror neurons i mean it, it affects everybody children But, that were not allowed to go to school they they lost a year of psychological and social development But, how is that going in canada It's 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 like you said. It's most of Canada is exactly like those blue states in the U.S. They're like uh, most of Canada is like New York State or uh, you know like many of these blue states. Uh, yeah, it's just that they don't care about the social cost of that. Obviously, it's like uh, like I said in one of my shows. It's uh, they've copied the uh, Great Leap Forward. Uh, strategy, you know, like when Mao did the Great Leap Forward, he, he wouldn't care about the number of people who starved. You know, he had his uh, ideology, his ideological objectives, and for the social for socialists, it's like that. Ideology always is prime, you know, primes over suffering, over human suffering, and that's the paradox of uh, socialism. Whereas they say they're for the people, but actually, it's an it's uh, it's it's an ideological tyranny. They don't care about uh, ordinary people, right? So, so it's the same here. Like the, you know, the planned on reconstructing completely the economy. They would, they didn't care about uh, bankruptcies. They didn't care about suicide. They didn't care about 
children losing oxygen. They, they only wanted to make us comply with their plan, their restructuring of the economy. That's the the, the great reset, Trudeau and Klaus Schwab's great reset, where they completely overhauled the, the economy, go towards, um, you know, mostly like online business and robotics and, and that sort of stuff where uh, the individual worker is uh, obsolete and uh, for that you need like to 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 yeah to get rid of a certain part of the economy they didn't care that uh, the 1% only got richer like you know like the amazons and uh, you know the, the big corporation the walmarts became richer and uh, the average the middle class people just bankrupted they didn't care about that they have uh, they wanted us to comply they wanted us to have they wanted to have us starved on our knees ready for the vaccine ready to accept anything uh, because they also, they, I don't know if it's the same in the US but in Quebec and in France they're doing this um, uh, digital identity uh, program where all your um, your different uh, information, for example, your Medicare information, your banking information, it's all uh, gathered into a single source. You know, that that's like, that's very problematic for private life, uh, for privacy and all like that. And it would never have passed if there were um, democratic discussion about that. People would have said no to that. But since we're in in crisis mode and people are scared and all, they're using the scare and the... the the control they have over the people to pass these laws, which take us, which are taking us towards uh, technocratic dictatorship, right? So that, that's that's the goal. That was the goal. So they don't care about the human cost. They only care about the the final goal. In in uh, in Mao's great leap forward, it, they call it literally like that. You know, they call it the fourth industrial revolution, and it's it has a lot of similarities with Mao's great leap forward. You know, they were China was rural. They wanted to become industrial, and now it's the same. Here we're uh, we're digital. We want to go to uh, like an AI-controlled world. That's the, the gist of it. And uh, in order to achieve that uh, that restructuring of the economy, they're they're ready for any sacrifice. And uh, and what's uh, sh what's shocking and what's terrifying about that is is that all the political parties are for it, and we haven't been. Uh, told about it <laughs> in the u.s you got like the, the republicans and you got some some you know uh, some democratic debate here in quebec and in france it's like a hundred percent of the uh, elected officials are uh, on board of the globalist project that's what we realized during this crisis they're all in france all of them all except acting wine in, in on, on 500 all except one voted for the COVID pass. Could you imagine that? No debate. They all voted for COVID pass. Same thing here. They all voted for it. All the media are in cahoots with the government. All the, the, the unions are not a word from the unions, not a word from the um, professional corps, like what we call uh, les corps professionnels, the, for example, the... Um, uh, the doctors' association, nurse association, the the bar bar association—they're all for it. So we realized during this COVID crisis that, you know, like the 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 whole superstructure of society, every you know, unions, media, government—they're all agreeing on 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 this. They're not denouncing the the COVID hoax because it's easy. Just from their declaration, what comes out of their mouth, you can easily show the lie and, uh, you know, that they exaggerated the numbers and all that. But everybody kept silent. So it, it feels 
what what something like 30 40 percent of the population here feels it's like it's a coup d'etat right it's a coup the elites are putting off a coup against the population they're doing it here uh in this manner with the covid in the u.s you had it with the covid and with the election it's a coup from the elite to uh take us towards their uh you know their, their new world order but it's a tax. This is exactly what it is in Canada and in the United States. It's a taxpayer-funded coup d'état. What's happening exactly in the United that. States with yeah. the the uh, stealing of the election? And then we have in Canada. I mean, for example, the people are getting concerned because they think, you know, under this socialist revolution, there's no need to confiscate your property. They can simply redistribute your uh, your your wealth. Let me get into something deep, and I wonder if you know about this. You've heard about BlackRock, right? and Vanguard. These two companies own probably most of the assets, trillions of dollars of assets in the United States, at least here in the United States. I don't know if you know this, folks, but a lot of the your neighborhood homes are being bought by BlackRock. And when you try to buy them, they overbid you. And what they're trying to do is their great reset. You won't yeah. own anything and you'll be happy about it. Words from Klaus Schwab. Exactly. Yeah, uh, you won't own anything and you will be happy and you'll eat insects too. That's that's also on the agenda. Uh, phasing out red meat, uh, you know, controlling that. It's what people, they're, they're displaying it, they're marketing it as uh, like a green revolution, you know, like, um, uh, but, but in fact, it's controlling every aspect of your life, the amount of water that you're going to use, the amount of electricity, the amount of energy that you're allowed uh, whatever your, you know, the, the, the food that you're allowed to eat, it's every, all aspects of your life is going to be controlled by this, uh, by this, uh, 2030 agenda if they, if they get to pass it, but it's being marketed as saving the planet. It's like the communist 2.0, right? Communist revolution 2.0, except now with a better marketing and with the consent of the people that which lacked during the first communist revolution. Now doing, they're putting off a second communist revolution with that great reset with a better marketing. It's green now. It's to save the planet. You're doing it not for yourself. You're, you're, you're you know, you're participating to the, the saving of the planets and that's why people comply, you know, but it's the same thing. And they're doing it now with the help of the media. So that's why it's it's easier. But people are waking up. That's what I was saying in one of my recent show is that this COVID hoax things like which many people saw through actually woke up a lot of people from um, from the media lies, the, the ex, you know, like all these scientific scientists, which are lying, like, uh, falsifying studies and people now after this COVID hoax, there's a good, uh, 30, 40% of the population, which is going to be really skeptical from any, uh, study that you're going to show them, you know, any, um, uh, media propaganda. It's, it's woken up a lot of people. People have woken up with this. They, they, I think they've overplayed their hand as we're, as they're phasing it out. Now they're reverting back to climate change and all like that. People after the COVID hoax, people will be more skeptical and more doubtful of government media propaganda about climate change. So that's, that's the, that's the good news. Have you heard this interview with a uh, Fauci? Uh, first of all, he said that Trump would have a pandemic that would kill millions. Surprise but, pandemic. Surprise pandemic, exactly. But did you see one where he had a slip of the tongue 
Instead of saying COVID-19, he said COVID-16. Do you think that the goal was to have Hillary be in place, have the COVID at the time, and in 2017, just, I mean, imagine if COVID had happened when he, with Hillary in power. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think that was the plan. Uh, I think after eight years of Obama, we're supposed to have eight years of Hillary with the, uh, the completion of the new world order. It was uh, either a pandemic or a fake war. Yeah, we were headed towards that. Uh, there has been a fight inside the U.S. institution between the, the, the CIA and the NSA uh where the CIA tried to take down the like like okay maybe I'm going too far away now I'm changing subject subject almost uh, completely but That's okay. it's uh, what prevented um how to say that the only thing that could prevent a such a, a disaster like that you know like Hillary taking over and starting a third world war or a, like a fake pandemics like that it's NSA's surveillance capacity which could monitor like uh, everybody's communication, right? And who, who could like um, warn uh, the patriots about a hoax, right? And so, um, yeah, no, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going too far away in this. I'm sorry. I'm maybe, maybe it's better to <laughs> go back to another subject. It's like, uh, for, and and that was them. No, this just finished like this. That was Edward Snowden's. Uh, Edward Snowden's job, which is to discredit the NSA. He was he used to be like a CIA contractor. Went to went to work at the NSA and then came out with NSA secrets, which would have allowed uh, a President Hillary to uh, have the uh, media justification or the legal justification to shut down the NSA, which would have allowed afterwards the, the, the globalists to put forward their plan because the NSA was the, uh, the final, uh, how to say, uh, the final rock in the globalist shoe uh, towards establishing their new world order. That's too long. I'm sorry for the, the digression, but... That, that's what brought, <laughs> whatever you said, that's what it brought to mind. No, no, that's fine, because that's exactly what I wanna, where I want to go from your perspective in Canada. Obviously, and many people write to me saying, please, please do not let your Second Amendment fall. Uh, if your Second Amendment fall, your First Amendment will go next or vice versa. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know where you are in, in your side of the world, but uh, if you had to compare our Bill of Rights to your Bill of Rights, how do you compare it to? I know that uh, having a Second Amendment there is, is, is a joke. Uh, mm -hmm. What about a, a First Amendment of the freedom of speech? Where do you stand now? Uh, there are some uh, freedom of speech. Uh, there, there is some freedom, a certain level of freedom of speech that is guaranteed in the Canadian Constitution. But uh, what is the use of having that guaranteed? Where uh, when you when you you know when you're trying to speak on social media and you're getting censored on social media, finally you get uh, you know you get the freedom of speech in your own basement in your own uh, living room, right? If you try to speak uh, certain things like at work, you can be fired from your job for saying certain things. You can be uh, deplatformed from social media. You can be uh, challenged in court and, uh, and or you can be attacked uh, by the media, right? So there's like freedom of speech has uh, now there's many layers of um, 
attacks against uh, freedom of speech. It is supposed to be guaranteed by the Constitution. But if you look at it, like, in fact, it is very, it is very difficult to speak your mind uh, openly. Yeah, because you can be, like I said, either sued, uh, attacked by the media, you can easily lose your job in the US. Many of them, even though you got the First Amendment, like if you speak up and you, you know, you're working for a company, they can fire you. You can be deplatformed by YouTube. Finally, people are like the, the globalists with all these layers against free speech have created a climate where people are scared to talk. You don't want to lose your job, so you'd better just shut up. You know, you don't want to be sued or singled out by the media. So you just shut up. So uh, I'll, I'll even do it. We got some constitutional guarantees. There's now nowadays there's like a certain a certain level of um, uh, there, there are a, a lot of obstacles to free free speech, which makes it like a de facto not possible. De facto. Exactly. Do you think that governments are met metamorphosizing into, at least in the United States and Canada, the tech tyranny is in charge. I mean, look at what they did to President Trump. I mean, Facebook banned for two years. Uh, uh, Twitter does not allow him there. The president of the, the most free country in the world is being censored by the private industry. I mean, would you have thought that during the times of Reagan? I don't think that would have happened back then. It's happening in 2020 because of the election and the COVID, you know, like they've decided to play their hand in 2020, like the, the, the masks fell, right? They, they went full coup d'etat, like you said. So there's no going back for them. Like they, they've shown their true colors. They lied to Congress, right? When they went to Congress, they, all these social media companies said were utilities, were the new public square. So um, we don't get involved in speech, right? And that's that's how they got like their uh, Article 230 uh, exemption. They say we're the new uh, Agora, we're the new um, town square, but that's not what they're doing now, right? So they changed their they changed their uh, their function, they changed their their approach. Uh, it's but you know the way they said it. It's like uh, for people to understand because people say like these these are private companies. They can do what they want. That's first of all. That's not how they describe themselves. They describe themselves like like uh, you know like Google Mail, like Gmail, or like uh, uh, Messenger or um, Apple FaceTime or these apps. It's like sending an email, right? Uh, that's how they describe themselves. Finally, they they started censoring. And this is like, uh, it's, it's the same as if they would, uh, for example, Gmail would look into your your emails and they would say, oh, you're using these words, so we're not allowing you to use Gmail anymore. That's how they transform themselves. People don't realize, but that's that's the level of the transformation. But that's that's going to be, uh, that's going to turn, it's, how to say, it's going to be returned against them, right? Uh, because there are new, right now, there are a lot of new social media platforms that are emerging, like Rumble, like Odyssey, like uh, Parley, you said, and, and, uh, people are, are, uh, instead, they're not gonna, they, they played their hand, but they're not gonna get the level of censorship that they wanted. They really, they thought that they could just shut the conversation and we, Instead of shutting us, we migrated to other platforms. So that's um, uh, that didn't work out for for them. And and well, I, I guess 
there's going to there's going to be also a price to pay. Uh, you saw these uh, senators, Republican senators that came out. I think it was last Friday or something like that. Right. They they singled out these social media platforms. They said they hid the truth about the origin of the virus. Right. They they uh, conspired with uh, Fauci and uh, in line with the uh, the PCC in order to censor uh, some medical truths and some political truths in the US. So now it's 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 going beyond just um, uh, censoring some information that they don't like according to a certain agenda. They're part of a coup. It became political. What these senators said during the press conference last Friday is essentially this is political and these are these are enemy forces you understand like if they they're they work together with the enemies of the united states they're working against um the people of the united states uh, and they're part of the coup they censored uh, election information pertinent in election information pertinent pandemic information and all so it makes them political and they're going to have there's going to be a price to pay for that i am waiting for the day when the corporate veils fall and a lot of these people are just taken to the gallows for their treasonous acts. Yeah. Well, well they started, they started uh, being scared a little. I, I don't know if you noticed the change of tone since the Fauci emails were released. Yes. All of a sudden, the, the pandemic, uh, they started, uh, you know, like uh, backtracking on the pandemic. They were saying, like, this is going, uh, is going to go on for a long time. And after, anyway, in the French world, we saw that after the Fauci emails, all of a sudden, uh, Biden said, uh, you know, like, we're going to put this pandemic behind us. And there's like this G7 where they revert back to climate change. And and I think the tipping point was the Fauci emails because they realized that uh, the truth is going to come out and uh, people are going to name names and it's not watertight. You understand the the the, the coup is not watertight and the, the co-conspirators are going to be eventually talking. The truth's going to come out. So they're, I think they're, they're backtracking because of that. They're scared. They're backtracking and reverting, trying to have that plane land and uh, revert back to the, uh, to the old spin of climate change. Well, they're realizing... Try, try to- trying to make us forget about whatever they did during the COVID, but we're not going to forget. No, we're not going to forget. In fact, I know many people, and you probably know too, people who maybe a year ago were totally, totally asleep. I know, for example, uh, one lady who was a former pharmaceutical sales rep, totally pro-vaccine. Well, in a matter of just a couple of months, she woke up to the point that she left the industry and now is totally against this. She's awakened to, to the point where I'm thinking, I never thought I could see this. And she has started waking people up. I think that wave is happening, and and, and the the hundredth monkey effect is taking place. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Like, like people were complaining. Like each time they're tightening the measures. Like for example, last year during the summer, they they forced masked in mass mandates indoors in Quebec. Then I said, you know, it's 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 unacceptable, and we have to denounce it. But we also have to realize that when they do that, they wake up people. So each time they tried to tighten the screw, they were waking up people. When they imposed mask mandates in the schools, they woke up parents. 
you know, like each time they force their, their ridiculous ideology, their ridiculous measures, tyrannical measures, they wake like a, a two, three, four, five percent of the population. And then with the, the next measure, they again wake up a two, three, four, five percent of the population when they're going so strong with, with vaccination. Here there's a, like a constant propaganda, government propaganda with vaccinations like North Korea. And then, so people, you know, when people say that, even though they were not against vaccine, you start having doubts. So, you know, so, so yeah, that's the, the good thing about it is that each time they try to tighten the screw and get us more under control, there's a new bunch of people which, uh, which are waking up. And just in the month of March, last March, I remember there was a, a poll showing that uh, 46% of the people were against prolonging uh, lockdowns and sanitary measures. That's 46%. That's, you know, that's 46% that in Quebec, right? So that's 46% of people who were um, ready to, uh, despite the media coverage, right? They were ready to say to a poll that uh, it, it was enough, you know? Uh, so add, add like another 10% to that. It's like the majority of the people were fed up with the measures. Yeah? And so, so yeah, it, it, it uh, when you see the censorship, when you see, uh, when you, when you see the social media giant censoring people, some of them are, are not even that controversial and you wake up a certain number of, of the population. And also, uh, here in Quebec, like, like I told you, there was like, like almost hundred percent of the media was uh, unanimous on the COVID unanimous against Trump and all like that. And they ridicule anybody who's like us, right, at Radio Quebec, who has a different narrative. And many people saw that too, you know, that the media has completely lost their way. They're uh, mocking people. They're used as a, a weapon against society now. So each time they, they tighten the grip, uh, people wake up. That's the that's that's the the other side of the, the coin. Do you see a Nuremberg trial 2.0 happening in the near future? Uh, I don't know about the near future, but Reiner Fulmich uh, confirmed that he's working on that, right? Uh, like, yeah, he has gathered a team of over like uh, about 100 lawyers and many uh, doctors and specialists, and they're gathering uh, information for what he said uh, at the, the microphone of Steve Bannon, uh, War Room Pandemic. He said we're preparing for a uh, Nuremberg 2.0 because that's what they did. It's It's... Uh, it's, these are crimes against humanity, right? Uh, um, it, it's, it was totally unjustified. It's, it's, it's a, this pandemic is a hoax. Meaning when I say it's a hoax, I, I don't mean there to say that there's no virus. There is a virus, but all the numbers are inflated. It's statistical manipulation. They use a fake piece, like a PCR test, which is not designed to detect live right. virus in order to count the dead, uh, in order to tell which people are infected and all. And they, uh, so, yeah, they, they've come, they, there were crimes committed in, in the elderly homes also. Like you got five states, I think, in the U.S. where infected people were returned to elderly homes by uh, decree of the governor, right? Uh, I think Michigan, New York, there's some others. New Jersey, yep. And, and and uh, you got like that's where you got like you know such a surge of death uh, last year. We got the same thing in Quebec. They literally uh, they, re they they were returning to nursing homes. They were returning infected people, and the way they the way they did it, like they they said uh, how to say they. 
they, they scared people so much that the employees didn't show up at the nursing homes. So uh, elderlies were left in, in, you know, in their diapers for weeks, no bats, no food. Some of them died of starvation. It was, uh, it was hell here. They didn't take their medication. And uh, the government knew about it and didn't do anything about it. Uh, so, so yeah, there were crimes committed and they will have to face justice. Isn't it interesting that we talked about a lot of this last year and we got so much censorship. But I remember I had this series called Corona Chronicles. And I started, chrono- you know, a diary of what was happening every single day. And I remember when I discussed how it all started in the United States, in the state of Washington, in a retirement home where these uh, employees of the retirement home were Chinese nationals who lived in the border with Canada. They were mm-hmm. the ones who came in and they passed it along here in the in that um, retirement home. But then you go to Michigan, you go to, let, let me pick on New York. One single person in a retirement home is about the equivalent of $120,000 that cost the state. A state that is totally bankrupt. Imagine mm-hmm. if you are the tyrannical exactly. Cuomo, Governor Cuomo. You think, how can I just... What is it that uh, Rahm Emanuel said? Uh, don't let a, a crisis go to waste. waste. Exactly. Yeah. So you have this crisis and you think, how can we benefit from it? Well, first of all, we need to kill all the elderly because that's going to save us millions of dollars in our coffers. And then for every single case, we get thousands of dollars. And for every death, we get even more money. So I hope that at one point in the future, we do get a truly impartial Nuremberg trial because a lot of people, a lot of people will perish, I hope. I, I, I thought the same thing, but I never went as far as to saying on, uh, you know, on the air that they, 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 they did it. It's clear that they did it deliberately. It's clear that they did it deliberately uh, to, to inflate. They needed to inflate the numbers in order to scare the population, impose mask mandate, imp- to lead us towards forced vaccination. To get us on our knees, we needed to be scared. And in order to be scared, they needed to be deaths. Uh, so, so, and I told you, like I said, like, uh, as with the, the great leap forward, you know, when they do this kind of systemic revolution, they just don't care about the human cost. You know, they have their ideology. They want to take us to the great reset, what they call the great reset. So anything is acceptable to take us there. That's the socialist perspective. So, uh, yes, indeed, they, they, that's what I was saying last year. They did it on purpose. They inflated the numbers. They just let them die. But the, the, the other side of that is that, yes, during a, uh, a great reset, if you're going towards a great reset, you, these people really cost billions of dollars to the state. And right now you got like uh, cleaned up public finances because all, all of these people die. So. There is this aspect, but I always thought it, but I, I never went as far as to saying it on the, on the air. <laughs> well, someone has to say it, but uh, I, I, I forget to mention this too. But where is Bill Gates' 66,000 square foot mansion? In Medina, mm-hmm. Washington, exactly in the same town where this nursing home, the epicenter, ground zero of this happening. What are the chances? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Medina and Kirkland, Washington. That's where he has his home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What are the chances that it would happen right there? And then we have... Um, there, uh, there are so many coincidences, like uh, hydroxychloroquine. Exactly. After 70 years of being used like aspirin, you know, like uh, yeah. 
as a as a drug that has that is not dangerous that is widely used it's one of the most common drugs in France it got classified as a toxic substance in January 2020 uh. could you imagine just at the beginning of the pandemic the French health minister removed it from the shelves and placed it in uh, as a uh, toxic substance that people couldn't access right at the beginning of the pandemic. Could you imagine that? Well, here in Arizona. That, they, 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 they removed, they prevented people from getting treatment. They removed, like in, in, in here, in, in a document, uh, in a policy document towards nursing home, there are people, the, the, the document states that we should remove vitamin D for the elderlies. Okay, and we we know it has a uh, positive effect. Vitamin D has a positive effect on the virus. So, so there's a lot of these kind of uh, quote unquote coincidences where they they just they just uh, did everything possible, you know, to to aggravate the the situation, not to for us not to be able to treat ourselves and to let the situation degenerate to get their their debt quota. Yeah. Last year, I was quoting medical doctors who were contacting me in private. And then, you know, one very renowned uh, vascular surgeon in Florida contacted me and said, this is all thrombosis. This is not what they're killing people with the, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, uh, what, what the, the tubing, uh, intubating people, they're killing them. Another doctor told me, I noticed that a lot of my patients who are rheumatoid arthritis patients do not get COVID. And he, what he found was that they're taking hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. So all these doctors that were just sounding the alarm back then, and this mm-hmm. Dr. Simone uh, Gold, and uh, I forgot the lady from Africa in Texas, in Houston, who were yeah. demonized, uh, the, the frontline doctors. Yeah. They're the heroes of this event. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah that's, that's uh, amazing to think that uh, you would censor people who are frontline treating the disease, you know, that you would, you would censor them. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's, so it's amazing, but then it's amazing when it happens. So last year we got like a lot of shock, a lot of these shock that they would do this, they would do that. They would, but then after, when you realize that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a coup, it's a coup and they're taking us towards their new world order, their fourth industrial revolution, their great reset, their agenda 2030, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a coup. Yeah. They're censoring like they're, you know, censoring any, uh, election result information you know when you if you challenge the result if you said it was fraud they would just not let you explain how there was fraud they would say like they would they would say like to trump like he's saying there's fraud without any proof and when he would talk about any proof that they would talk about like signed affidavits or they would show videos they they would say they would cut right away Yep. the feed and say there's no proof so it, it it only makes sense if you situate it within the framework of a global coup and uh, and but but it failed I think it failed and the uh, now it's going to be the counterattack. I this is why I wanted to leave this for part two because we're going to get deeper we're tired of being censored and we're going to discuss about what happened to to Alexis last year, what happened to us too, and what we can do to remedy this because we can no longer allow it. We are more than they are. They know it. We are waking up and we are the force that they have to reckon with. Alexis, how can people learn more about your work, visit your website and so on? Well, uh, it's uh, the website is radioquebec.tv. I got a Rumble channel and an Odyssey channel. 
uh, Rumble, uh, on Rumble, it's Radio Québec. I think as you, you go on channel, you type Radio Québec and you will find it. You got my recent, my most recent videos there. But yeah, and I'm also on Twitter uh, at Radio underscore Québec. And I tweet in French and English, but the uh, my what I call my web journals, uh, they're in French. Well, folks, don't go anywhere because we have one more hour with Alexis Cassette Trudel from Radio Quebec. This is Mel Hustlerick, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know. <laughs>